I started working on my book and my websites. I created Career Guides Academy and Wealthy Women Daily. And eventually, I published my first book, Dividends Are Queen's Best Friends. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Where Accountants Go, the Accounting Careers Podcast. I'm Mark Goldman, a CPA and your host for the show. Well, we have a very intriguing guest for you today. Charlene Reinhardt is joining us from the greater Chicago area, and her story spans the big four, industry, consulting on finances, pageantry, and even singing and dancing, literally. She was referred to us from a previous guest on the show, and I definitely got all I could bargain for. Charlene is an excellent communicator and her story is so dynamic. Honestly, I could barely keep up. This was a wonderful interview to record. I think you're really going to enjoy this one. If you do enjoy and learn something from the episode, I know I've mentioned this before, but please share it out on social media. We try to get the word out as much as possible. And a key part of our plan in that area is you the listeners. So if you can find just one or two minutes to share it on on your favorite social media platform, I'd really appreciate it. Well, with that, let's go ahead and get started with this week's interview. Here's Charlene Reinhardt. Well, hello, Charlene. Welcome to the show. Hi, Mark. Thanks for having me. No problem, of course. Well, for the audience, we have another referred guest with us on the program today, Charlene Reinhardt. Charlene was referred to us by Eric Butts, and you may remember Eric. He was building a career in consulting and and helping other people do the exact same thing. Charlene is definitely the entrepreneurial sort as well. She started her career in accounting, of course. Fast forward to the present day, though, and she is the founder of Wealthy Women Daily. And I'm definitely curious to find out more about that. Well, Charlene, I do this with all our guests. I certainly do want to know more about your current situation, but it's important for the listeners to understand how your career built up to the point where you are now. So starting back at the beginning, what led you to decide to consider accounting as a possible career in the first place? I have to give credit to my mom. My mom was the bookkeeping and tax brains of the family, so she definitely helped to guide my path in a direction of accounting. I took accounting one-on-one and one-on-two in high school to test it out after she recommended it. And after listening to PwC professionals who came into the classroom and told us how you can create the career you want in accounting. You didn't have to just do one thing. There are different areas of expertise that you can specialize in based on your interests, and you can work in different industries. So I saw it as a career with unlimited opportunities, and that's when I knew that that's what I wanted to pursue in college and become a CPA. So my mom, she led that effort, and I'm so grateful. Every day I'm still thanking her. Thank you for telling me the major in accounting. <laughs> <laughs> Now, was she was she the you know the bookkeeping and, and tax brain of the family from the standpoint of the the family operations, or did she actually work in in bookkeeping and or business as well? It's so funny she didn't work in bookkeeping. Um, she she did tax on the side, so she would do prepare all the family taxes and friends, people on the block. She did it on the side, but she was not the office type of person. She would always do outdoor work. But that's something that's a special skill that she had, and she thought that I would be good at it as well because I love numbers. Wow. Okay. Wow. Okay. She definitely did have talent in that area then. This is an intriguing start. 
when you mentioned PwC coming to class, was that in high school? It was in high school. So PwC financed my entire accounting classroom in high school. I went to Whitney Young Magnet High School in Chicago, and they would have PwC professionals come in to tell us about accounting and what it's like to work in public accounting. It was very intriguing. I was like, wow, I never thought about accounting in that way. So I was just ready to dive in and hit the ground running once I matriculated to college. Okay, wonderful. You know, I think I think we need to do more of that. There's a lot of focus within firms to get the word out in colleges and talk to college accounting clubs and things like that. But we really do need to to bring it more to the high school level. And not your story is obviously great proof that it works. <laughs> it does work. Wow. It really gives students a vision of what they could do. Because for me, I was like, okay, let me write down my 20 year plan because of what PwC said. I want to be a big four accounting partner, and so that helped me to think about how I wanted to shape my college career and my professional career because I had that exposure at such a young age. Wow. Wow. They, yeah, they did have quite an influence then. That's awesome. Well, that probably answers my next question then. I was curious how you got your first professional job because it looks like it was with PwC. Was it because of that influence or did it just so happen that you, know, you interviewed a bunch of places and, and chose PwC? How did that happen? So it didn't happen directly in high school. In high school, I wanted an internship at PwC, and they told me they didn't recruit high schoolers. I was like, oh, so I have to wait in college. Okay, well, when I get to college, I'm going to do everything possible to land an internship with PwC. So within the first two months of being at DePaul University, I went to all the business organizations and asked, how do I get an internship with PwC? The National Association of Black Accountants immediately responded and told me that PwC had an exceed scholarship available where you would apply for the scholarship, but you would also get an internship the summer after your freshman year and take a trip to New York for the leadership conference. I was like, whoa, okay, that's better than what I had expected or even planned for. So I went through it with that process and I landed my first internship with PwC the summer after my freshman year. Oh my gosh, okay. I didn't realize you got started so early. That's awesome. Okay. Wow. Yeah. Did you continue it was with great. PwC? I did three yeah. internships with PwC. So I interned my freshman year, my sophomore year, and then I wanted my last internship to be the real deal. I wanted to see what it would be like to work full time under intense pressure, which means busy season. So I <laughs> asked PwC if I could work through January, from January through March, so that I could get that hands-on real-world experience and audit. And that's what I did. That was my last internship with PwC. So three internships with PwC. And then my third year of college, I landed an internship with J.P. Morgan. Okay. Wow. All right. I'm just curious, Did were the internships sort of building on one another at PwC, or did you do one in tax and one in audit and something different? Or They were completely different. So my freshman year, I didn't have any audit or tax experience. They actually gave me a role within their learning and education department, which was perfect, a perfect fit for my personality because I love creating educational materials from for new hires and interns, and I helped with orientations and things like that. So I love to see how they onboard their next generation of leaders. That was pretty awesome. My second year, I did not work one-on-one with PwC. PwC did an internship exchange program where we they loaned me out to Girl Scouts. So I got a chance to work 
with Girl Scouts for the whole summer and learn nonprofit accounting under PwC. So still getting paid from PwC, but getting that nonprofit experience at Girl Scouts. And there was only one person there accounting department. So I really got to learn a lot. And that person became ill. So I had to manage their accounting department for maybe five or six weeks because of that. So it was a really good hands-on experience to have as a sophomore after, well, a sophomore in college. Wow. Okay. Did you finally end up in audit in the last go-around? Or? <laughs> so I did. So January through March, I did an audit internship, and I audited financial services companies. Okay. Okay. Wow. That's an amazing program. That's pretty cool. I wonder if they still do it that way. That's interesting. That is it is. So I got connected to En-ROADS. So because of En-ROADS, after my freshman year, I asked En-ROADS, can I be a part of the program because I landed an internship with PwC. And so I got the training through En-ROADS, and with En-ROADS, they help you secure an internship every year while you're in college. Okay, okay. So En-ROADS played a so, big role in helping me to do that. So you mentioned J.P. Morgan Chase and having your last internship there. So Take us forward from graduation. So where did you end up starting to work after graduation? Because I know you ended up working at J.P. Morgan Chase as well. So, so take us forward from graduation. Yes. So I actually had an internship with J.P. Morgan my junior year before my last internship with PwC. So oh, my okay. last internship, yes, it's a pretty <laughs> a whirlwind <laughs> of experiences, but my junior year, I was at a conference for the National Association of Black Accountants, and I was sitting by professionals at J.P. Morgan, and I was talking about the money and banking program that I was, the class that I was taking. I was talking about the Graham-Leach-Bliley Act, just all of these things that were going on in banking. And I think that's probably why, one of the reasons why they asked for my resume and they gave me a position in their financial analyst program. After that summer, they gave me a full-time offer to work in the financial analyst leadership development program for two years. And so I started my career in the financial analyst leadership development program during the recession. So it was a crazy time to start. Things were completely different. A lot of people had lost their jobs and it was just a lot going on in the credit credit world. And so my first rotational program opportunity was in the credit cost group, which was in the controller's environment in the commercial bank. So I was working on the re- charge-offs and recoveries, allowing for loan losses, things like that. And then I moved on to real estate banking, where I managed the other real estate-owned portfolio at a time when it had reached a height that they'd never seen before. And then I went to work in the controllers group again. So it was a financial analyst internship, but I also got some accounting experiences. And that's what made me realize, okay, I'm in love with accounting. I need to stick to accounting. (laughs) So I went back into the (laughs) controller world. Okay. There's a lesson, actually probably a few lessons in there about being valuable and also being flexible because you obviously were valuable to them because they did what they could to move you around and keep you during some tough times. And you were flexible <laughs> to do maybe some Definitely. Well. Yeah. So yeah. every six months, we were supposed to rotate to a different line of business so that we can get exposure to different areas of the bank. So within that two-year period, we should have had four rotational experiences. Okay. Okay. I was curious because I saw all these positions on LinkedIn under J.P. Morgan Chase. And yeah, I wasn't sure. <laughs> I didn't realize it was a rotational program. Oh my God. Uh-huh. Okay. It's like an internship for professionals <laughs> until you figure out what you really want to do. 
Wow. Wow. So what happened? Uh, so you were at J.P. Morgan Chase quite a while, what, six, seven years, something like that? Yes. I spent my okay. entire professional career in financial services there. Okay. Okay. What eventually caused you to move on? So I had landed my dream roles. Everything was going great. I went from the controllers group to community development banking group where I was able to work and manage the process of helping J.P. Morgan invest $100 million in Detroit, in the city of Detroit, which was the first time a bank Ooh. had ever invested in a city that had went bankrupt. So that was like the biggest project of my career. And it was great. And at that time, I was like, okay, I want to do more. I love what I'm doing. I'm achieving a lot at work, but I want to make sure that I'm balancing it out and I'm networking and building myself up, building myself beyond the workplace. So I decided to compete in another pageant, the Miss Corporate America pageant. And this was my fifth time competing in a pageant. So I was competing in pageants all throughout my career at J.P. Morgan because I wanted to become a better communicator. I thought that was important for anybody who wants to thrive in a workplace and be able to connect with people of different backgrounds and also be a leader because during this time, especially the time when I entered J.P. Morgan, I realized the importance of leadership, having leaders who can work through a crisis, having leaders who are able to connect and motivate employees to do their best even when everything around them is in turmoil. So I saw pageantry as a way to do that. Well, in 2015, after five years of trying and competing in pageants, I won my first pageant unexpectedly. And I thought to myself, wow, maybe I should take a sabbatical so that I could really experience <laughs> what, this, what this opportunity is about and really give myself a chance to grow and develop beyond the space that I'm in now. So it was only supposed to be a one-year sabbatical. Okay. And it ended up being, <laughs> are you still on sabbatical? Uh, <laughs> that's what it sounds like. No, but it was only supposed to be a one-year sabbatical. And... I was also supposed to pursue my MBA at that time because I got accepted into an MBA program and everything, my 10-year plan honestly was ripped up. I ended up traveling around the world, dancing and thinking around the world, and that changed my life. Never would have thought at 28 years old, being a CPA and working, just finishing one of the biggest, most high-profile projects of my career. Never thought that a year later I would be dancing and singing around the world. So my career took a turn during that sabbatical. It was more of a oh. self-exploration opportunity for me to really use my 20s to achieve every goal that I wanted to achieve and then be more valuable in the workplace. Because if I could be able to be comfortable singing and dancing around the world, what wouldn't I be comfortable with in the workplace? That was me learning oh. how to be comfortable being uncomfortable. And so I wanted to just take advantage of unique experiences that would allow me to truly be the leader that I wanted to be in the profession. Okay. Wow. So, you know, as you know, before we start recording, I go over some stuff with the guest. And one of them is, by the way, if there's something I don't know about your story that is really intriguing, you know, we may go off on a tangent. So, here we go. I, we're going to go off on a tangent. <laughs> I'm curious. I was leaving this to the end because I wasn't sure when to ask, but I had seen something about Miss Chicago pageant and Miss Corporate America. I, and frankly, and I'm embarrassed to say this, I wasn't sure what the Miss Corporate America referred to. I'm not familiar with that. How you end up touring the world through the Miss Corporate America? I guess because when you say singing and dancing, I'm trying to visualize 
what does this evolve exactly? <laughs> so it wasn't with the Miss Corporate America organization. I was traveling. I was speaking around the world, speaking on behalf of the accounting profession, getting more students involved in the CPA exam and accounting. That's what I was doing as Miss Corporate America. My platform was diversity in business. During that time, someone called me about doing a six-month tour with Up, Up With People. Up With People is an organization that's been around since 60s, and they bring the world together through song and dance and do community service all over the world. So I thought it was a great opportunity to enhance my cross-cultural competencies because I feel that that's needed in today's global environment. You need that. So I was like, hey, why not? If I can do this, I won't be scared to do anything in the workplace or in my career if I can tackle this. And I had to stay with complete strangers in Sweden, Bermuda, Mexico, Europe. So it was a completely different experience that really got me out of my shell. Oh, my gosh. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I knew you had a lot going on. I had no idea how how diverse. This This is beautiful. So are you part of a troop, I guess, that, that goes with Uplift People and is it sort of like a variety show or I'm trying to picture what this looks like? Yeah, so I was selected to be a part of the Class A 2016. There were a hundred of us from around the world who all came together to put on a two-hour show every week in a different city around the world. So we started off in the United States, then went to Mexico, Bermuda, and Europe. And we had to sing in different languages. We had to stay with host families. We had to teach leadership activities to children, just do all types of community service activities. But it was really preparing us to be a leader of the 21st century and give hope in the face of trouble through our singing and dancing. Wow. Okay. Okay. So I'm curious, what do you do after you get done singing and dancing around the world for something like that? I mean, how do you pick your life back up or how do you even decide where to start? What, what did you do after exactly. that? Exactly. I, I, that was the question I had. <laughs> like, what's next for me? This is out the ordinary. Like, my 10-year career trajectory and plan that I had mapped out for myself, I don't know if it's applicable at this time. I think I may have to make some tweaks to that. So I was supposed to get pursue my MBA, but it just didn't feel right pursuing my MBA after doing that for six months. It really changed my view on life and how I really want to impact the world. So I started working on my book and my websites. I created Career Guides Academy and Wealthy Women Daily. And eventually, I published my first book, Dividends Are a Queen's Best Friends. So I became a writer, and I was able to write about these different experiences and educate people through writing because in my 20s, I had learned so much. I had accumulated a lot of different certifications. I put myself in situations where I was outside of my comfort zone, and I just wanted to share with other people, hey, you don't have to be afraid in your career. You can be a leader and really take control in your, of your career, be a partner, whatever it is, if you allow yourself to do it. And so I help people create an action plan for success. Okay, beautiful. So what is Wealthy Women Daily exactly? I wasn't sure. It, it sounds like it could be a newspaper. <laughs> you know, there's probably more, more to it than that. Yes. So Wealthy Women Daily is Career Guides Academy's big sister. I'll say that. So Career Guides Academy was all about navigating the corporate environment and beyond. So it taught people 
how to move up in your career, how to transform your resume from invisible to irresistible so that you can land the job of your dreams, how to get scholarships, tell people the basics of how to take ownership of their career. But I realized when I was talking to a lot of people, they understood the career piece, but they didn't know what to do with all of that money once they receive it. They didn't understand the 401k, the retirement plan, the basic retirement plans, how to invest in their future beyond their job so that they can have multiple sources of opportunities coming their way. And so Wealthy Women Daily is, it's an online site where I teach information about taxes and finances so that the corporate woman and the entrepreneur can really be inspired to take ownership of their money and their lives in in general. So I also have the book. So I'm creating a list of a series of books. Dividends Our Queen's Best Friend is the first book in the series. And I have newsletters, Dividend, The Dividend Investor and The Wealthy Woman Investor. Beautiful. Okay. How long have you been, I guess, providing these tools or I'm not sure which came first or operating Wealthy Women Daily? I guess, how long have you been in this space? How long has it been now? So Wealthy Women Daily, I created that media platform in 2018. So for me, it's all about financial media platforms to help people take control of their money and lives. Okay. A couple of years. But Career Guys Academy is longer uh, since 2015. Okay. Interesting. So as you can imagine, I run a podcast or host a podcast on accounting careers. We've done over 175 episodes. I've had a few conversations with people about being an introvert or introversion, you know, and you don't sound like you would fit in that mold. (laughs) I am the number one introvert. Really? Okay. Okay. I guess what is what have you done to work out of that shell? You don't sound like the typical introvert to me, at least. Because I'm looking for advice. Because obviously we have individuals that, including myself earlier in my career, that listen to the program and know they need to develop, you know, their communication ability a little better. And they're starting to see that maybe it's hurting their career. I mean, what helped you, or what advice would you have for people that are? looking to become more comfortable with that. Yes, I would say you put yourself in positions where you have to practice your public speaking and connecting with other people. And I think I did the things that I've done in my life because I really wanted to break out of that shell. I felt that there was so much more that I could contribute if I was able to let my voice be heard and not let those doubts in my head take over the best years that I can experience in my life. The first thing I did once I received my first performance review at Chase was to join a Toastmasters club. Toastmasters.org. It's a life-changing organization. It allows you to give speeches, but the best part about that is that you get immediate feedback. So you'll get feedback on the crutch words that you use, all the ahs, ums, you know, any of those words that distract or take away from the message you're trying to convey. You'll learn how to speak more fluently. You'll also learn how to connect with various audiences, how to persuade with power. It's just so many skills that you learn in Toastmasters. But the trick to it is to continuously use it because like anything else, if you don't use it, you lose it. So you have to incorporate it into your everyday life and make it a part of you. So what I did was, I started Toastmasters clubs at Chase, the first Toastmasters clubs at Chase, and I was able to get hundreds of employees together that I had never met who were willing to take part in these one-hour meetings. And I really think that helps to boost employee morale during the time when everyone was just frustrated with work and just didn't know where 
the future of work was headed. This really gave them a sense of hope and motivation and personal development. They were able to be better at their jobs and be more productive because of Toastmasters and having that network of people who believed in them and were cheering them on. Wow. Yeah, we've had a few recommendations for Toastmasters. It's I don't know how old that organization is, but they definitely have made a difference for a lot of people. <laughs> yeah, I think it's been around since the early 1900s, around 1920s. It was started in California. Oh my gosh. Okay. Yeah. And something I just heard you say that's a little bit of a lesson too, is you didn't just join Toastmasters. Eventually you ended up starting a Toastmasters club where you worked, which that, that even takes it to a new level, you know, in terms of leadership mm-hmm. and, and communication. Yeah. 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 It's a whole lot different to, uh, to just be a member of some, something versus, you know, trying to lead it <laughs> as well. Definitely. Completely different. And I also became, so I was a member, then I became president of my organization. But what really helped me was becoming an area governor. I had to manage five clubs and the speaking goals that each member had in those different clubs. So I managed the Federal Reserve Bank. Deloitte, Bank of America, all financial services companies, which was great since I was at a financial service company. They give you companies that are close to your job so that you can go to their meetings and evaluate them and help their leaders to grow. So it was great training outside of my job and how to be a leader working with diverse populations. It was amazing. It's a great training ground. Are you still involved with Toastmasters? I'm not. I'm not involved like I was, but I was actively involved around 2011 and 2012. I became a distinguished Toastmaster, and that means you have to give over 40 speeches, mentor clubs, train leaders, give presentations at conferences, the MC. So I was actively involved when I was there. Okay. All right. I'm sorry. I just had to ask. You're definitely still very much a proponent. So. (laughs) Oh, definitely. Beautiful. So, and I know this is a weird question or maybe not even realistic, but I'm always curious about you know, an individual's vision for what they're doing. If everything goes exactly how you would prefer it to go with your platform, you know, with Wealthy Women Daily and everything else you, know, you have going on as a piece of that, what does that look like three or five years down the road? What's your vision for how you would like it to go? For me, it's leadership in the accounting profession and helping with the changes that are coming down the pipeline. I feel that this is a great time to be an accountant because of all the changes and impact that we can have. We can be at the forefront of that, leading that change. So I really want to be more involved with the AICPA. I'm currently the chair of the Illinois CPA Society Individual Tax Committee, and I want to continue to be a voice in that space. I want to encourage younger people to pursue a career in accounting and understand the numbers and just just be in the space. I think it's a great space to be in. As far as Wealthy Women Daily is concerned, in the next five years, I would love to have a collection of books that students are reading in schools, that students are motivated to read to see accounting as not as a mundane and dull profession that's just for certain individuals because a lot of people think it's just your, you know, your white male (laughs) that you would see in accounting. And so I want more people to see themselves in the profession and see the opportunities that they can take advantage of. I don't want people to think, okay, I can only do this one job. I can only be a tax professional. No, there's so many opportunities that you can create in the accounting space because of what's going on. I want to use my financial media platform to to expose people to the opportunities available. Beautiful. Okay. Okay. 
Yeah, you mentioned this earlier, but your career has been on fast forward so much. I mean, I think we sort of glazed over it, but you mentioned getting your CPA, and I noticed that you're a PMP as well, a project management professional, and you alluded to, a, or you talked about, you know, a rather large project you were managing. When did you get those certifications, and you know, what was that process like for you? Was it relatively easy, or did you have some struggles? Because a lot of our audience is early in their career, so yeah, I like to be real <laughs> about getting yeah, certified. Definitely. What was your experience like? So going for the CPA was definitely the challenge, most challenging of the certifications I had. That was during the recession in 2009. So balance was important because I was working 70-plus hours at the bank and also trying to study. So I passed the exam within nine months for the CPA. I passed my first two exams, and I failed my last two exams. I think I got too confident and I thought that I wouldn't have to study as much. And so I let go of my plan and I ended up failing the last two. And so that mm-hmm. taught me like, you have to be in it all the way for the long run. So that was my experience. And then I think Peter Olento, the Becker instructor, played a big role in me passing that exam. I was very excited to tune in and hear his voice every Friday night. Because typically people are going on dates when they're 23. But I was with my friend studying in the library for the CPA exam. And just hearing his voice and all of his jokes, it motivated me to keep doing that and be focused on that path. So that was the CPA exam. And then in 2011, I was craving another certification. And the Toastmasters that I was around, they were CFEs. And I was like, oh, that sounds like a hot new certification that I could obtain. And plus, it would be good in the banking arena to have a certified fraud examiner license with all the fraud that's taking place in banking. So I got my CFE so that I could just be better at my job. I thought that the CFE would make me better at my job and lead to more opportunities down the line if I wanted to go in the area of fraud. And then the following year, I achieved my PMP. I did a, my manager allowed me to do a one-week boot camp, and then I took the exam. So I passed that one on the first try. I passed the CFE, PMP, fairly short amount of time. Passed the PMP. I studied for like three weeks. You have three or four weeks and I passed that exam. Mm -hmm. And I got those certifications because of everything that was coming down the pipeline. So in 2012, the Dodd-Frank Act was big and we were working on resolution and recovery plans. And so I was able to be the commercial bank lead on that living will for the bank because of my project management experience, because we were working on with project management tools with other people in the bank. And because I had that background and knowledge, I was able to lead that initiative. So the certifications really helped me to move fast, move up the ladder fast in my career and just network with so many people. Okay. Okay. Now, I'm always curious about work-life balance, if we can get into it with a guest. And sometimes there's time, sometimes there's not. But are you working full-time on, you know, providing content through your platform and further developing that? Or are you sort of part-time and doing something else or maybe just sort of part-time? <laughs> yes, I work part-time now because my main focus are my books. I'm a writer, so writing takes time. <laughs> it's a research process. I do a lot of research. I'm a researcher, I should say that. And so developing content definitely takes time. So that's where most of my energy is. I do coaching on the side, but I can only take on a limited number of clients because my full focus is on research and writing. Okay, beautiful. 
what's your next book that's coming out or not by title, but you know, so <laughs> I realize that may not be. <laughs> what's the title? So, um, it's the same thing. It's investing. So the first book just focused on dividends. Dividends are Queen's best friend, but this may be a broader investing book that talks about portfolio management. Or I'm also thinking about tax since my head has been knee deep in the tax world because of everything that's going on. So between those two, but I'm working on both at the same time. Okay. <laughs> beautiful. Beautiful. I've done that a little bit myself. Well, yes, quite the process. I, <laughs> yes, it is. I try to, to be you know, conscientious of the guest time. And I do have three questions I end every episode with. Should probably get to those. One last thing, and I don't know if there's an answer here or not, because you just your career has been amazing, you know, delightful, exciting. If you could go back in time and give your younger self just one piece of advice, what do you think you might say? My younger self, I, I always think about that question, like, what would I tell my younger self? Because there are a lot of things I want to tell my younger self. But I think one thing in particular would be don't try to take on the whole world. I think I tried to do too much at once sometimes, but it definitely paid off and gave me more flexibility in my career now. But you want to pace yourself at the same time. You want to have a well-balanced life. I know there are certain times in your life where you will have to work hard harder than other times, but you always want to make sure that you are putting self-care at the top of your list so that you can go fully in the direction of the industry and work that you want to do. When you're able to just contribute your all to that one task, you achieve so much more and you become seen as a credible leader so much faster. Wonderful. Yeah, the concept of self-care has come up a few times here in the last six months. Actually, in the last few months, I guess, on the podcast. And that's definitely very important, very important. Mm -hmm. Well, I do end every show with the same three questions. First one's usually the easiest. I'm curious because there's probably a lot to pick from here. But from a career perspective, what's been your proudest moment? I really love the career experience that I've had the opportunity to take advantage of. My proudest moment would be having the courage to create my own job description. I was working in a two-year financial analyst program, and we're supposed to have four different rotational programs, rotational opportunities. And after working in real estate banking finance, I realized that I wanted to work in the controllers group full-time. They didn't have any more controller group rotations or opportunities after the last, the first one I had taken advantage of. And so I met with the new manager of that team, talked to her about me getting my CPA, how I got my CPA, and how I saw regulatory reporting changing in the next couple of years and how I didn't currently see anybody who specialized in that. And they created a job for me, and I became the regulatory reporting lead for the commercial bank because of that opportunity. And that just helped me to take my career to the next level. Ooh, I love that. Courage to create your own job. <laughs> there will be people that listen to the show and get to that point and decide to re-listen to it, you know, just to make sure right. they get all the detail. That is good. That is good. Well, second question or request, tell us about a lesson that you learned the hard way. And the more you could tell us about the situation, the better, because that's how we learn. Lesson I learned the hard way. 
Well, I would have to say that I was a go-getter and I was always anxious to move up in my career. In the beginning of my career, I had the best managers, very supportive, provided me with all types of leadership opportunities. We talked all the time and I decided that I wanted to apply for another opportunity because it looked great. It looked great. It seemed like it aligned with my goals, but it was not the same as my previous experience because the different people on the team can make or break your experience. I didn't have a terrible experience, but I don't think I ever had the same level of interaction and opportunities that I had with one manager. A lot of people say that people don't leave jobs, they leave employers. And so when you're in your career, you want to make sure that the person that you work with next is a great fit for your personality. And sometimes you can't control the person that you work with next because you're working with the person, but that person may leave too, the new person that you work with, and somebody else may come on board who may not be a perfect match with the goals that you have, or they may not stimulate, stimulate you as much as other people. So you want to be conscious of your environment. And for me, the experience just wasn't as good as it was. I was used to a platter plate, like a, a golden plate with just opportunities, full of great opportunities. And a person who really pushed me, encouraged me, she also encouraged me to do pageants. So I was like, what? what? <laughs> a manager who's encouraging my pageantry ambition? It was just pretty amazing. She encouraged Everything I did in my personal life with Toastmasters, she allowed meetings. It was just a different level of experiences that I was able to get with my previous manager. And I just thought that I needed certain experiences in order to move up. Sometimes moving up shouldn't be the main goal. It's probably just having a quality work experience because you can probably get that experience with your manager if you communicate with them that that's what you're seeking in your career. Beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. The manager makes all the difference really. Yeah. Couldn't agree more. Well, last question, and then we'll go ahead and close it down. What is the best piece of advice that you have ever received? Best piece of advice is ask for what you want. Closed mouths don't get fed. I used to always hear that because I was so quiet and shy. And I hear people complaining about their careers, the type of jobs that they want. And sometimes they haven't even communicated that to anyone. And I realized at times in my career, the desires I had, I never communicated it. But when I did communicate it, something happened. Something changed in my career and more opportunities became available. So that was the biggest lesson I learned that sometimes you just have to open your mouth. You have to communicate. Communication is a powerful tool that we need to leverage in the workplace in order to create happier and more harmonious environments. <laughs> I've enjoyed your enthusiasm and just your openness during this interview, but you're so <laughs> practical. I love this. Closed mouths don't get fed. <laughs> you can't get much more direct than that. You know? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> You can't get oh mad about God. not having something if you've never spoken up about it. Yes. Oh, wow. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> that wraps it up. <laughs> um, that is beautiful. If people want to find out more about Wealthy Women Daily or your book, your career program, what's the best way to find you online or where would you want people to look? Yes, so you can go to www.wealthywomendaily.com. Dividends, Our Queen's Best Friend, is available on Amazon. And I'm all over the web. I use Instagram a lot, so you can find us at Wealthy Women Daily on Instagram. 
and on Facebook. You're everywhere. <laughs> Beautiful. Yes. Well, thank you. Try to be. <laughs> <laughs> you have to be these days, for sure. Exactly. Well, thank you so much, Charlene. I really appreciate you taking the time. This has been fun. I know people are going to get a lot out of it. Thanks so much, Mark. It's been a great time. Well, that was our interview with Charlene Reinhardt. And I don't know about you, but I really enjoyed this one. She sounds so uplifting and excited about what she's doing. I particularly found it interesting, I guess, just how quickly her career progressed. But that was because she was laser focused at a very early age, actually. And then I just love it how she's used that experience now to find her own niche and something she's passionate about. She just sounds so happy. This really was fun to record. If you found value in this episode for yourself and enjoyed it, please do leave us a rating. We appreciate all the ratings we get. It's very simple in whatever podcast app you use. We really would appreciate it. Well, thank you again for joining us. I'm Mark Goldman, your host for Where Accountants Go, the Accounting Careers Podcast. We'll see you all next week. There's more to come.